Throughout the 50 days of Easter, sacred music for the world. LutheranPublicRadio.org Listen 24-7 to sacred music for the Easter season. LPR, LutheranPublicRadio.org Secularism is the dominant religion in America, and I would say more specifically, secular progressivism is the dominant religion in many American institutions. I have often said that the term adiaphron has become, in many instances, among us Lutherans, of the theological escape hatch. If you want to know what it means to be a man, if you want a perfect picture of masculinity, get yourself a crucifix, because the cross is the most masculine thing that has ever happened. This is Mark from Michigan, and I am a lawnmower listener. We love issues, etc. Bad preaching, and there's no shortage of bad preaching. Bad preaching is bad, but the worst of bad preaching is bad Easter preaching. That's the kind of stuff that you shouldn't mess up, even if you want to preach poorly And I'm not talking about someone who bores you or someone who may use big words or you might not like their delivery. I'm talking about where the actual content of the preaching does violence to the text of Holy Scripture or perhaps just simply ignores the text. Or in the case of something we'll be talking about here in this hour of issues, etc., takes the text and just uses it as a springboard for something entirely different, just allegorizes it away. When that happens... During Easter sermons, it's particularly harmful. The opportunity to preach Christ's death and resurrection during the Easter season really is one that ought not to be missed, even by the worst of bad preachers. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking about bad Easter preaching this week in Pop American Christianity with Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. Then when we've concluded our conversation with him, we're going to play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week with you, our listeners, as we do live on so many Fridays as we end a broadcast week. We've got four soundbites to play for you, and after you've listened to them, it'll be your opportunity to vote for one to be Issues Etc. Soundbite of the week and possibly to win the LPR bundle package. And I have Issues t-shirt and Issues Etc. travel mug, pen, bumper sticker, and notepad. It goes to the listener with the best vote for Issues Etc. soundbite of the week. Our call in number 1-877-623-MYIE. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. Our Twitter address, at issuesetc. And our Facebook fan page where you can vote in advance for Issues Etc. soundbite of the week. Facebook.com slash issuesetc. Joining us for This Week in Pop American Christianity to talk about bad Easter preaching, Pastor Chris Rosebro, pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of the daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. So explain what allegorizing in preaching and teaching is and why it's dangerous. Well, the idea behind allegorizing is you take a historical narrative, and the the Bible is actually rich in historical narratives. There's many portions of Scripture that are giving historical accounts, and then what you do is you... Uh, you key in on particular elements of the historical narrative, 
and then you take them out of history and allegorize them. You basically make them symbolic of something else. In other words, you turn a historical narrative into kind of like a parable. And God the Holy Spirit can do things like this, but when we try it, we always screw it up. And what ends up happening is you then take the element and you create a theology where you basically ignore what the text says and you pour your own meanings into it. And when when you do that, it's kind of like anything goes, but this is not a sound way of interpreting Scripture. And it's contrary to uh, proper biblical hermeneutics and oftentimes results in a theology that is a complete uh, disaster and a mess that misses the point and makes promises for God that he has not actually made. How common is it in Pop American Christianity? <laughs> it's so common that sound hermeneutics and good exegesis are rare, and this is the norm. If you kind of talk about broad road and narrow path, uh, the broad road, the, the major swath of American evangelicalism, they're hearing allegorized preaching, oftentimes making themselves the heroes of the, of the historical narratives. And it's a, it's a very rare evangelical preacher nowadays who is, is properly trained in good exegesis and proper hermeneutics, who can rightly handle a biblical text, and he, he can even distinguish between law and gospel. That, that's a rare, rare thing uh, nowadays, in fact, becoming rarer by the day. And uh, just so we understand the context of the examples we're going to be hearing here, Easter preaching, is there any reason in the world, Chris, to allegorize the Easter narrative? None whatsoever. And this actually kind of gets to one of the major important blocks, if you would, of sound doctrine. And that is, is that we recognize that there are different genres in the Bible as far as the different types of writings there are. There's historical narrative, there's prophetic texts, there's a there's kind of apocalyptic texts that are very symbolic, rich in symbols and things like that. And then there are actual portions of Scripture which are clearly didactic. That means teaching texts. And over and again, what we find is that you know that when it comes to the narratives regarding Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, these are historical accounts, and the theology of what this means is clearly spelled out for us in many clear didactic portions of Scripture. For instance, we can say that Isaiah, before Christ was even conceived, hundreds of years, centuries before he walked the earth, he gave us some clear didactic teaching about the theology of Jesus' death and resurrection by saying that he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Other passages say that Christ has redeemed us. And, uh, and you know, so there's all these different ways in which clear passages of Scripture give us the theology so that we know that we that what Jesus's death and resurrection means these things and there's so many of these clear passages that we're we're not even close to running out of any and so the job of an exegete then is to give the historical narrative and pull from the other passages of Scripture, Scripture interpreting Scripture, that gives us the theology and doctrine behind what was happening while these historical events took place. So there's no there's no excuse at all 
for allegorizing Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection because there's so many passages that give us the rich meaning behind it that we need to pull on those texts and proclaim what Scripture actually says Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. You've brought some examples of bad, allegorized Easter preaching. What's first? All right, we're going to start with uh, Troy Maxwell uh, from uh, Freedom House Church in North Carolina. And this is a common thing. What what he's going to do is he's going to allegorize the three days, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and, and basically give us a theology that is actually nowhere taught in Scripture, but is based upon an allegorizing of the days of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Three days. Look at your neighbor and just say three days. It's amazing what can happen in just three days. When you think about the reason why we're here today, it all comes down to just three days. Three days and history was completely changed. Everything about our lives was changed in just three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Seriously, seriously, I want you to think about those three days because I believe that there is a progression that we can see in our own personal lives. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, death, burial, resurrection. I want to pose to you that we all go through our own Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, our own trouble, our own silence, and our own breakthroughs. Just think about it through the eyes of Jesus for a second. He understood trouble Friday. I mean, at the early morning hours of Friday, he was betrayed by somebody that was very close to him. Ever been betrayed before? He was arrested. He was falsely accused. In the middle of this whole trial, one of his best friends, I mean, his best friend, Peter, denies him three different times that he even knows him. Jesus is whipped. He is beaten with rods. He is mocked. He's He's commanded to carry his cross up this road uh, to a place called Calvary. He's, he's crucified, three nails, two in his hands, one in his feet. And by 3 p.m. on Friday, Jesus cries out, it is finished. It's over with. It's done. Friday, trouble, day one. Day two is Saturday. Saturday, in the Bible, there's not a whole lot about Saturday. Not a whole lot of talk about what happens on Saturday because it's silence, trouble, silence. I mean, there's nothing going on. His disciples are confused. They don't know where their master, why he's left them, where, where is he? Uh, his family is just dumbfounded. They are alone. They're, they're, everything's quiet. But what they don't know is that there is actually a lot going on behind the scenes because Sunday's coming. Come on, look at your neighbor and just say, Sunday is coming. Okay, Chris, can you just kind of explain to us what Troy Maxwell was doing there with the three days? So what he's literally teaching is that the three days theologically and doctrinally reveals a pattern, a pattern that occurred to Jesus and a pattern that we will find ourselves going through 
Um, but it's not talking about our death and our burial and resurrection. No, 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 no. He's talking about, well, you know, there, a difficult time in your life. Maybe you got a diagnosis from your doctor and the diagnosis says cancer. It's a terrible diagnosis. So that would be your Friday. And then after that day of trouble, then there's a period of silence just before your breakthrough. And your breakthrough is going to be that you're going to get healed of cancer. And so the whole significance of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection is all connected to then a pattern that you should expect to see happen in your life, trouble, silence, and then out of nowhere, breakthrough. I mean, and this can apply to like health issues, financial problems, relationship problems. Maybe your wife left you, right? If your wife leaves you, that's your Friday. Then there, you should experience a, a period of silence. And then all of a sudden, blammo, out of nowhere, the, the Sunday's coming, you should experience breakthrough. And that's what Jesus and the Bible's trying to teach us is that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is a pattern we should see regarding troubles in our lives. But no text says this at all. And this is making a promise for God that he's not made. Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop American Christianity. Today we're talking about bad, allegorizing Easter preaching. Chris is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of the daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. He'll also be speaking at the 5th Annual Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference Friday, June the 9th, and Saturday, June the 10th in Collinsville, Illinois, about 15 miles east of St. Louis. Making the Case is the premier conference for Christian laity. Chris is going to be making the case against modern-day prophets and apostles. We'd love to see you there. Registration for the conference is $120 and includes meals on Friday night and Saturday afternoon and evening. You can find out more and you can register at issuesetc.org or make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. Be sure to write Summer Making the Case Conference in the memo line of your check. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, June 9th and 10th in Collinsville, Illinois. Another example of bad allegorizing Easter preaching with Pastor Chris Rosebro this week in Pop American Christianity, right after this. Have you been too busy to get your associate's, bachelor's, or master's degree? Concordia University, Wisconsin offers 50 online educational options. Find out more at issuesetc.org. Click the Concordia University online logo and enter the program code ISSUES to waive your application fee. Concordia University, Wisconsin is here to strengthen and support the church. Lifelong Lutheran Learning issuesetc.org and click Concordia University, Wisconsin online. The Reformation's relevancy, natural law, news discernment, modern day apostles and prophets, depression, catechizing our children. You can meet and hear Issues Etc. regular guests discussing these topics at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, June 9th and 10th in Collinsville, Illinois. Find out more at issuesetc.org. Registration is $120. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, June 9th and 10th in Collinsville, Illinois. 
Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. The people of Zion Lutheran Church, East Moline, Illinois, invite you to discover the blessings that await you here. At Zion, we proclaim a gospel of free grace for all. No one ever falls too low to find forgiveness and peace with God and Christ Jesus. To learn more, visit us at zionem.com or join us on Sunday at 9 a.m. Zion is located at 17618 Hubbard Road in rural East Moline, Illinois. I bet you didn't know that the teaching of Latin in schools is making a comeback. Latin? Really? Isn't that a dead language? Well, take a look at what studies say about how well Latin students do on a test like the SAT. Memoria Press's Latin program will revolutionize your students' vocabulary, knowledge, and their understanding of grammar. And there is no better subject for teaching critical thinking skills. Visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next order by using the coupon code LPR. If you want a perfect picture of masculinity, get yourself a crucifix and, and put it on your wall or hang it around your neck because the cross is the most masculine thing that has ever happened. I think to the extent secular progressivism seeks to answer these ultimate questions, it is a religion just as much as Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are religions. Then he points us back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. The fact that Adam is given one wife, so the Lord says, in the beginning it is not so. The problem that apparently the women faced was the stone, which is not the problem. The problem that they faced was a dead Savior, a dead Jesus. In about 15 minutes, we're going to play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. We'll play those four soundbites in their entirety for you. There's a lot more there. After you have listened, you give us a call, one 623 6943 Send us an email, talkback at issuesetc.org. Send us a tweet at issuesetc. Or go to our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash issuesetc. And you vote for one of those to be Issues Etc., soundbite of the week. It's coming up in about 15 minutes. In the meantime, it's This Week in Pop American Christianity. We're talking about bad Easter preaching. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. Chris, you brought in uh, some other examples here of this bad Easter preaching. What's next? All right. Uh, we're going to be listening. The next two sound bites. we're going to be listening to uh, Daryl Wooten of, uh, of uh, Spirit Church out in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And he's going to allegorize the the dark day that Friday was, and he's not talking about the literal darkness per se. Uh, it's it's a little bit more than that. It's kind of like the, uh, it's a sad, sad, sad day. And and then after he's allegorizing it, we'll kind of talk about that. He'll provide what he believes is a solution to overcoming. Uh, the dark days in our life, but let's listen to the first part of this soundbite. Good Friday was a dark day. Have you ever had a day of pain, a dark day? Somebody said something or did something or didn't do something, and immediately darkness came over your heart and life. Bad news came. It's what Good Friday was for the disciples. They had given up their lives, their livelihoods, and they had followed this rabbi, Jesus, it seen him raise the dead and heal the sick, but when they got to Jerusalem this time, something was different. It got dark spiritually. Jesus was falsely accused. He was falsely tried. Then he was falsely beaten. 
with a whip that ripped the flesh out of his back. A crown of thorns was put on his head. He was nailed to the cross. And it just didn't become spiritually dark. It became physically dark in the middle of the afternoon. It was so dark it missed up the centurion's mind. They didn't know what was happening. All of the hopes of the disciples and followers of Jesus seemed to die when they were placed in a borrowed tomb. And a stone rolled over their hopes and their dreams and their passion. All hope was gone. It was so dark. But you see, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the resurrection is about the bright light of Jesus coming to the darkest, darkest place in your heart. Have you ever been at that dark place? A doctor came to a waiting room, gave you a news, a diagnosis you didn't want to hear. You were left a note, your spouse said, I'm leaving, and they never came back. Perhaps a boss came and said, you know what, we're downsizing. Perhaps a friend went off the deep end. You had a dark day. Perhaps someone went to heaven in your life way too early in your estimation, but darkness came to your heart. What do you do with that? Jesus gives us an amazing lesson in the story of the resurrection. Good Friday, Saturday, and then Resurrection Sunday. Okay, Chris, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, you know, he is expounding the narrative in a, in a rather compelling way. And then when he starts to go into the lesson we're supposed to learn from all of this, I'm thinking, why did you have to go and do that? You ruined a perfectly good proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, this gets into a, an important uh, distinction that I think we need to make, and that is that in evangelicalism, because they confuse the biblical categories of law and gospel, they they kind of intuitively believe that every biblical text must have some kind of a law application, that there's some kind of a principle that I need to apply to my life in order to overcome you know, temptations to sin or problems or things like that. So they'll take a, a passage like this, which actually calls for us to believe, which is gospel, and they'll turn it into law. And so there's some kind of hidden application steps that we need to follow here. And you'll notice in, in doing this that he's literally taken the uh, Jesus's crucifixion and put it on par with uh, if somebody got a pink slip at work, letting them know that uh, that they no longer have a job. I would argue that losing your job isn't even remotely close to the same thing as Jesus's crucifixion for our sins. So there's some kind of weird thing going on here that when you turn every text into a, a law application text, you end up making things equal that are not, like not even close to the same. And so that's really one of the problems that's going on here. So what follows here? What should we be listening for? All right, so he's set this up that apparently Jesus' resurrection is like a, a bad day. You know, it's like Alexander in the no good, horrible, very bad day. And so you know, you've, you're having a bad day, but apparently Jesus has left us an example that we can follow so that we can get past our bad day to experience the joy of an Easter-type breakthrough after a bad day. And pay close attention 
<laughs> to the application steps that apparently Jesus followed himself so that he can get to the joy of the resurrection so that we can follow those same steps and, and get there ourselves too. The, the details uh, start to drift wildly op- away from what the Bible actually says. How do you get to that day of victory? You do what Jesus did. In that day of pain, Friday, what did he do? He connected with spiritual partners, his brothers and his sisters. Remember that Friday? He said, guys, we got to go pray. And he took his deepest confidants, Peter, James, and John. He said, guys, we got to get in the upper room. We're going to celebrate the Passover. We call it the Last Supper of Jesus. He got with those people that were encouragers, those people that he had spiritual bonds with. And if you are going through a day of pain, if it's really dark right now, the thing to do is what Jesus did. Get connected to people who are followers of Jesus. How many know that's the truth? And then you might go through a season of confusion and wondering why did this happen? And what do you do in that day of confusion? You do what the disciples did. You stand on the promises of God. You begin to quote scripture, turn on praise music, but you stand on the promises of God. Do you believe your circumstances or do you believe the word of God? Do you believe what the enemy's telling you or do you believe the promises of God are forever? And then how do you get to that day of resurrection Sunday when we have hope, that brightness, we have faith and we have patience is how Hebrews 6.12 says we inherit the promises. So I encourage you today, would you get connected to spiritual encouragers, brothers and sisters in Christ? Would you stand on the promises of God? And I promise you through faith and patience, you will get to victory. Can we give the Lord praise right now? All right, Chris, explain what happened there. All right, so uh, in in seeking an application, apparently the way Jesus was able to go from his darkest day to the joy of the resurrection was he first strategically surrounded himself with spiritual encouragers. Because you remember, I mean, he prayed with his spiritual encouragers (laughs) in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was arrested. But... (laughs) If you read the text, you'd realize that the spiritual encouragers that he supposedly surrounded himself with, they fell asleep, not once, but twice. And, uh, and so this, is, this becomes like absurd on its face. And then you get to Saturday. Saturday, he said that the disciples stood on the promises because they, they were get, trying to get to you know Resurrection Sunday. And we know from the gospel accounts that the disciples didn't understand what Jesus meant when he said that he would rise again on the third day, and they weren't really expecting him to walk out of the grave on Sunday, so they weren't even standing on the promises. So the whole thing completely breaks down, and yet Dr. Daryl Wooten of Spirit Church in Oklahoma is saying that we need to follow this same pattern if we want to go from a a dark day, a bad day in our life, to experiencing the joy of breakthrough and the resurrection in our life. But the the very thing that he's pointing to doesn't even come close to saying what he says it says. In fact, the details point to the exact opposite, and yet the resurrection happened despite the fact that his spiritual encouragers didn't pray with him. 
and they weren't standing on any promises. The thing that Jesus said would happen is the thing that happened because Jesus said it would happen because Jesus is God and he was doing this for us. This calls for belief, not some life principle or law application that I'm supposed to apply in order to achieve you know, resurrection as the result of me doing right things. That's complete confusion of biblical categories and a complete going against what the biblical text actually say. What I'm struck here by, Chris, is how easily the listeners, partly because they're accustomed to a constant allegorizing of every biblical narrative, not just the Easter ones, but, but uh, also because the narrative is there, they're telling the story, might mistake this for the good news of the gospel. They might say, well, yeah, he said Jesus died and rose again, which means that I, in my darkest days, can find a way through by following the example of Jesus. They might think that they've heard some good news. And they haven't. The good news is that Christ died for our sins and was raised again on the third day for our justification. This is what the cross-references that I talked about earlier in the segment teach us about Jesus' death. And you can find this, like I, I would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the opening verses of that chapter clearly define what Christ has done for us. Or even the opening chapter of like Ephesians, yeah, chapter 1 even mentions the resurrection and the significance of Christ's resurrection being for our justification. But by allegorizing these texts and the details and pour, literally pouring in an alien doctrine, an alien theology, what ends up happening is the gospel gets lost, or worse, it kind of gets relegated to kind of like a footnote. And the way the footnote works is, hey, it's Resurrection Sunday, let's everybody stand up and give Jesus a big shout of praise and applause for dying and rising again for our sins and stuff like that. So they kind of mention it. But it never gets proclaimed for the person sitting there in these churches. And as a result of it, they have now a, a set of promises that God hasn't made. And then when they go to in to cash in those promises, because when the inevitable difficult circumstance comes in their life, they go to cash in the promises. It's like, well, wait a second, this is my bad day, so I need to apply these principles so that I can get to my resurrection joyful day and victory and all that kind of stuff. And so they go through the steps and then it doesn't work. And what do, the, what do they come to the conclusion of? Well, either Jesus isn't real, Christianity is a sham, or, the, or I've done something wrong and I haven't earned these blessings from God, and, and they are left with fear and doubt and anxiety, but God nowhere made these promises. What he's promised us is eternal life peace with God, the forgiveness of our sins. And these are the promises as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection. But that has been relegated to a footnote at best, and these other things have been brought forward as the real meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection, when Jesus' death and resurrection means none of those things. And the sad part is, is that this is the kind of stuff that literally undermines faith and causes people to die and go into eternity in complete fear and doubt rather than faith and confidence. And that's a very, very dangerous way to go into eternity. Yeah, I think it was last week, Chris, that you, I think you posted something in social media from Stephen Furtick Elevation Church. 
And uh, it said something, I can't remember exactly what it said, like for every bad day, there's an empty tomb, something like that. Yeah, yep. And that's that encapsulates this preaching we've been talking about. Why is that way of talking about the resurrection so extremely pale and so extremely dangerous? If you want to boil it down, it's just idolatry. Rather than believing what Scripture reveals about what Jesus' death and resurrection means, you know, and that would be just sound doctrine, we have to come up with a new and improved. It's kind of like Jesus' death and resurrection, the new and improved 2.0 version for today's audience to make it more relevant to their life. And when you do that, you actually end up engaging in rank idolatry, making promises for God that he hasn't made, talking about a Jesus that doesn't even exist, and trying to make the gospel conform to the expectations of our society. And when you do that, you end up losing the gospel altogether, creating a mythological doctrinal system that is every bit as an error as like Roman Catholicism. And, you know, think of it this way. I mean, we talk about this is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And we all know that nowhere in Scripture does it teach the doctrine of indulgences or the doctrine of purgatory. But on the same token, nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus' death means that, that you are going to go through a cycle of a Friday, Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday regarding the dark days of your life if you just apply these particular principles that Jesus applied. The, that particular doctrine is, is every bit in er, er, errant and man-made and idolatrous as anything that Roman Catholicism teaches. And yet the average evangelical would basically say, oh, I'm not a Roman Catholic and I don't pray to saints because they teach man-made doctrines. And the irony is, so is their pastor when he allegorizes biblical texts and pours meaning into them that have nothing whatsoever to do with what Scripture says those events actually mean and who they point to. Before we let you go, Chris, what kind of idolatries and false teachings will you be refuting tonight on Fighting for the Faith? We have been working our way through a week-long contest of the worst Easter sermon of the year. We do this every year, and today we're going to be hearing contestants six and seven as we wrap up our worst Easter sermon of the year contest and hand it over to our audience to decide who will get the coveted award for preaching the worst Easter sermon of 2017. You can listen to Chris Rosebro and Fighting for the Faith right after the live broadcast of Issues Etc. in about a half hour at piratechristian.com, piratechristian.com. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of a daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. Chris, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you, Todd. When we come back from the break, it's going to be time to play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. We're going to be playing our four soundbites. All you have to do is sit back and listen. After you've heard the four soundbites, we want to hear from you. Your votes for Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Complete the game. Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week and your votes right after this. Dr. Anthony Eslin will be speaking on the topic of imagination and education at the second annual Wittenberg Academy Family Retreat, which will be held at Camp Okaboji in Milford, Iowa on April 27th through the 29th, 2017. Join us and be immersed in God's word, thoughtful discussions, and family fun. 
For more information or to register, visit www.wittenbergacademy.org and click on the registration tab. For 28 years, I had the privilege of serving as a chaplain in the United States Navy. Dr. Dan Gard, retired Rear Admiral and President of Concordia University Chicago on the need for military chaplains. During that time, I was able to bring word and sacrament to so many young people and their families, our sons and daughters spread throughout the world. Truly a privilege and an honor, and today there are other chaplains that must follow. We need more LCMS chaplains in all branches of the military. It's an incredible, amazing mission opportunities to go to places no other pastor can go, but to go with the same tools that any other pastor brings wherever he goes, word and sacrament. You can find out more about the vocation of military chaplain at lcms.org slash armed forces. The LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation approaches. A good time to ask, who are we as confessional Lutherans? What's our heritage? The Confessional Lutherans for Christ Commission has produced the Layman's Guide to Theological History. Go to the clcc.org and see which of these presentations and books would be most helpful to you and your fellow parishioners. And consider becoming a member with us as the CLCC seeks to help more people know what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. The clcc.org. The cross is our theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues Etc. 300, Augsburg Lutheran, Shawnee, Kansas, Peace Lutheran, Fresno, California, Trinity Lutheran, Casper, Wyoming, Memorial Lutheran, Houston, Texas, Trinity Lutheran, Gillette, Wyoming, Our Savior Lutheran, Ridgecrest, California, St. Mary's Lutheran, Des Moines, Iowa, Redeemer Lutheran, Kakabeka Falls, Ontario, Canada, St. Jacoby Lutheran, Shawano, Wisconsin, and St. John's Lutheran, North Prairie, Wisconsin. Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Go to our website, issuesetc.org, click support, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation joins the Issues Etc. 300, we'll publicize your congregation on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Issuesetc.org, click support, the Issues Etc. 300.